Hello, students, and welcome back for the last time. So you've made it to IMC 600 Week 7. Congratulations, that is no small feat. So this will likely be a shorter podcast, uh, being that it's our last, but also uh, because uh, this chapter was relatively short. And if we were on campus together in more of a traditional classroom setting, uh, for the last class, I would likely be giving you plenty of time to work on your final since we'd be together and if you had any questions. That said, this is still a good chapter, especially considering the world that we live in. And I know I say that a lot. Um, so customer relationships. Because of the age we live in, customers are no longer numbers or dollar signs, and they are not faceless anymore. Your customers are people. They have lives. They have social media accounts. And most importantly, they are vocal. They don't think of themselves as a percentage of your quarterly profit, and they get upset if that's how you think about them. People want to know that they matter. If they had a bad experience with your product or service, they not only want to know or want you to know, but they also want the rest of the world to know about it. Um, and it doesn't stop there. They want you to tell them and the world what you're going to do to make it right. I think that we all know someone who has had a bad experience with a product or an experience or um, something they did and posted about it on social media, tagging the company who made the offense. Perhaps you're that person. I can tell you for sure that I am that person. I have absolutely done that before. And I have plenty of friends who have done that before. I remember one of my buddies uh, was traveling home for the first time with his uh, infant child and wife. And uh, they were pretty ticked with how they were treated by the airline in trying to get on the plane. And they had no problem tagging that uh, the airline in a, a tweet and um, you know using a few pretty good hashtags that would uh, get some attention. And I'm pretty certain that while they were on the runway, uh, just getting just before they were going to start taxiing around, uh, the company had already responded and mobilized the, um, I don't know if stewardess is politically correct, but the workers on the airplane to fix whatever the problem was and make things right. Um, as marketers, our campaigns are not about moving product or scheduling services. Ultimately, they're about people. They're about fostering a relationship that is long-term and doesn't require much thought on the part of your customer. That no-brainer that I keep talking about. What I liked about this chapter was one of the first things that it covered. Getting customers versus maintaining clients. Ultimately, this is creating that relationship capital, which represents trust, commitment, cooperation, and interdependence between your company or client, the person you're working for, and the customer. Given my intro, I'd recommend that once you enter the real world, delete the word customer from your vocabulary and instead use the word client. That, to me, puts more of the human element into things. Um, and I recognize that throughout the rest of this podcast, I will be using the word customer, and probably in your papers, you'll be using the word customer. This is just some post-IMC uh, life suggestions here. I would like to talk briefly about a point the book made, which was attracting the right customers. 
By that, I don't necessarily mean the low-maintenance customer or not dealing with the complainers. To an extent, I feel that the right customer is someone who is not only loyal to your product, but someone who will act as an ambassador. To me, that's the best kind of client to have. Someone who is going to share their experiences about your product or service with their friends and family, and then keep coming back. There is no right marketing strategy. There are, however, ones that do work better than others. Your goals, objectives, strategies, and tactics play a big part in the effectiveness of your IMC campaign. But no matter what we do in our campaigns, the number one thing we must never lose sight of is the client and their needs, wants, and realistic expectations. Believe me, I know that there are those uh, customers or clients who have unreal expectations. If you've ever worked as a server or in retail, you've become uh, very familiar with that person who has the unrealistic expectations. And uh, from what I'm seeing online now, I believe you kids call that person Karen. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about building relationships with your clients. First and foremost, it's something that takes time. Nobody is going to buy your product and have a good experience and all of a sudden have this wonderful relationship with your brand and your product and all that. It's, they're going to have to come back a few times and um, you know, have good experiences. For you guys, um, it requires foresight. Um, and it forces companies to decide who they want to invest money attracting and retaining. Are, uh, things to consider is, are we looking for high-maintenance customers do we care who our customers are as long as they come back? Or are we being proactive or reactive? To build those relationships, uh, it means an all-hands-on-deck approach, from the investor and CEO to the employee and salesperson, basically everybody at every level of the company. Um, and it focuses on increasing uh, the... Sh there's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting jumbled here. There's also a focus on increasing your share of customers rather than just a share of the market. Um, by that, when you focus more on the market um, and how much you're dealing in it, to me, that's where you get into dealing more about the numbers and percentages and quarterly profits and everything. But when you're focused more on gaining more customers, that means you are focused on the people. And as I said earlier, your customers are people, and they want to know that you think of them as people or a person. Um, in building your relationships with your clients, this also requires regular attention and monitoring. That's why, in part, I've suggested that in your final campaign timelines, uh, that you have those breakpoints where you can just stop and just review how things are going, um, if it's resonating with your potential uh, customers, if it's offending them, um, if what you're planning to do is uh, what you, or sorry, if what you're doing is actually working and actually reaching your new customers. By creating clients, um, we are trying to go beyond them buying into our marketing efforts enough to give our product or service a chance, but to become an ambassador for what we're offering. One of the things that I didn't like in this chapter, and it wasn't that like I hated it or don't think it's important, but I didn't entirely like how they were talking about conversions and believers. Um, 
I, I understand what the book is getting at, but at the same time, um, you know, and I know those can be business terms, and I also recognize that they're kind of religious terms. And to me, it just seemed kind of weird because while I understand if you're, let's say you're working at Pepsi, you want to convert people from drinking Coca-Cola to drinking Pepsi. I think to an extent when you start going down that uh, down that path and thinking that way, it, it gets kind of weird in, in the mentality that you have and um, the way that you think of your customers and the way that you view your product. Um, and I know um, the whole religious element thing, but you know, or connotations with it, but I just, I think it's kind of weird to think about it that way. And I, I think you can go down some kind of awkward paths in how you actually view your potential new customers. You may have on paper one of the best campaigns for your product or service, but if you are not thinking about your customers' uh, needs, wants, and realistic expectations, your campaign that you have isn't worth anything. It doesn't amount to anything because you're not actually putting them first and thinking about what resonates with them, what is going to reach them, what is going to help them make that decision to um, switch to your product or start using your product. So quality and value. Uh, just a few things to consider here. First, uh, quality and value are symbolic. If you have a great product or service, but a poor delivery, the value in the client's mind goes down. A good quality product is no guarantee of success. Poor quality does guarantee failure at a long-term relationship. Think about it if you, um, and I'm trying to think, I don't want to, um, trying to think here of an example just off the top of my head, but um, I'll just say it. I've had bad experiences with Ford cars. I think that they're poor quality. Uh, my wife and I, we've owned three of them, and they have been, uh, they live up to the acronym of their name, which uh, Ford Fixer Repair Daily. So we have gone away from ever buying, I will never own a Ford again, because I think they're a poor quality product, and there is no long-term relationship between me and Ford. In marketing, um, our, in our marketing campaigns, we are trying to communicate value about our products and services. Some might call that the value proposition. Um, and we need to think about what words and images we are using to convey that to our customers. Um, what are we trying to make people feel? Are we trying to think of things like prestige or exclusivity or feeling welcome? Um, what I see, and let me grab a sip of water here, that might be the last sip of water that I take in a podcast here with you guys. Um, at any rate, what I'm seeing more and more out there is uh, customers gravitating more towards uh, exclusivity. They want to feel that um, what they're doing is exclusive to just them, or they're part of a very small group of people who are using that product or uh, taking advantage of that service. And essentially that boils down to people want to feel that they're special. Uh, they want their use of your product or service. Uh, it was just so unique, and it was something that no one else could possibly have. You know, hashtag blessed, hashtag humblebrag. Um, I just I see that more and more. Just that um, when people are doing uh, using a product, they they just want to know that it's special to just them. Um, quality and value are also subjective, and to 
uh, paraphrase a uh, quote from a Supreme Court justice uh, when the Supreme Court was looking at a case about obscenity. Um, they, the justice said, um, I cannot define obscenity, but I know it when I see it. So to, paraf uh, to paraphrase that for this, um, you cannot define quality and value necessarily, but we all know it when we see it. People will, can and will catch up on you if you're hawking garbage. And they'll, they'll definitely uh, catch on uh, if your marketing campaign is trying to you know, hawk absolute junk. Uh, yes, a sucker is born every minute, but that doesn't mean that they don't wise up. So customer expectations. Uh, typically, they're not unrealistic, um, and they can be examined by finding out the zone of tolerance between the desired performance or experience versus what they actually got. Customer expectations can also increase over time. Um, I like to think of that as the iPhone. Uh, the iPhones that we have now, which I believe they just announced iPhone 11, they're very, very different from iPhone 1, the, uh, which came out in, what, 2006 or 2007? Yeah, it was 2007. Um, in that the longer that these things were around and the more um, bells and whistles that they added to them, after about the first few generations of them, we all kind of started to expect, okay, the next iPhone is going to be bigger and better. It's going to be... Um, there's going to be some better things about it. They're going to be more functional. They're going to do that thing that I don't even know that I need it to do yet. And I see um, when you get into dealing with customer expectations and them increasing over time, one of the things that I see uh, companies dealing with is um, the law of exponential returns. And that has to do with um, the best way that I can explain this is uh, through video games. Um, and it's essentially that every time something comes back, it's harder and harder, or something new is introduced, it's harder and harder to make a bigger jump and uh, a bigger innovation with it. So with my what I was referencing with the video games is think back to, um, I'm sure you're all aware of Atari. So Atari comes out, it's on the market for a little while, people love it, it's blowing their minds, and then Nintendo comes out. And it was a big jump from... Um, Atari's Pong to what Mario looked like. So the original Nintendo is on is out in the market for a few years. People love it. I believe the average age of a system is about, or average run is eight years. And Super Nintendo comes out. And if you compare the original Mario to Super Mario, there's a huge jump in how it looked and how it functioned. So Super Nintendo's out for a little while, everybody loves it, everybody's digging it, and then Nintendo 64 comes out, and there's a, there's a jump. It goes from 32-bit uh, to 64-bit, and all of a sudden we're dealing with 3D and um, huge worlds, or bigger worlds. A few years later, GameCube comes out, and while it's all still 3D, then we're starting to notice that while it's a jump, it's not as big a jump as... Um, original Nintendo to N64. GameCube's on the market, and then Nintendo Wii comes out. And if we're just going from a graphics standpoint, yes, there's a jump, but it's not as big as the 64 to GameCube. Um, and then Wii to Wii U, the jump isn't as big, and Wii U to Nintendo Switch, and the jump isn't as big. Um, so it eventually does catch up with you. 
at any rate, um, if you do achieve customer satisfaction, which is ultimately what you're going for, you have a client who is more likely to be a repeat customer, less likely to explore alternatives, flexible with price changes, less likely to outright switch to another product, and more likely to be an ambassador for you. Just a quick story from uh, my professional life. Um, I, when I started working at Olean Business Development, I was there uh, pretty much from the beginning. And uh, we'd moved into a new building, um, renovated it. We were walking the walk and talking the talk and uh, had our big grand opening ceremony. And um, we had about 200 people in attendance. And uh, they were all supporters of us. Some of them were startups who we were just starting to work with and help them get going. And uh, part of my job during this grand opening was um, I had to hand out the swag bags to everybody. So um, after we did that, um, I was asked to give you know offer a few remarks, and I did. But the last thing that I said to everybody in the room, all 200 of them, was that when I looked around the room, I didn't see 200 people in attendance. What I saw was 200 people who were brand ambassadors for us. Um, and I encourage them that as supporters or as people who were starting to uh, receive our services, that if they uh, or to go out and tell people about us. And while I was grateful that they were all there um, and that they were all going to walk away with a really cool swag bag and everything and, um, you know, just be happy to support us, uh, those people uh, were more valuable to me as a marketer, as an ambassador because word of mouth is a pretty powerful thing. So if they're out there talking to somebody who's thinking about opening up business locally where I am, say, oh, hey, you know, there's only in business development. Uh, it's a really cool place. I support it or I have received services from them. Here's what they, here's what they do. They were, uh, we have a great relationship. Here's what they've done for me or um, things like that. That was very, very valuable to me rather than, um, just letting them take, you know, encouraging them to be that ambassador for us rather than letting them just take their swag bags and, you know, flash drives and things that I had loaded them with and go home and, you know, move on to their next day. Um, all right, so anyway, moving on. Um, if you achieve customer dissatisfaction, which is the exact opposite of what we want, uh, you'll need to do a few things. Um, First is you're going to want to look at what went wrong. Then you're going to want to focus on what you can change. Uh, you may also want to reevaluate uh, customer expectations against what you said your deliverables were in your marketing campaign. You may want to consider offering satisfaction guarantees or create relationship management programs or communicate uh, to the world what you're doing to, or, or to I'm sorry communicate to the world or to that individual customer who had an issue uh, what you're doing to fix a problem so with that um, that's that that is strategic marketing in seven weeks so you made it to the end here well actually no you still have an assignment to turn in but you guys can see the finish line at this point as for the remainder of this class this week um, I would like to offer you one bit of advice um, as you're working on your final projects for me. As I said at the very beginning of this course, um, everything that I have had you do for me always had a point. 
it was never busy work for the sake of busy work. There was there was something of value to it that would mean something to you later on. And all the work that you've done has led up to your final and what you're going to be turning into me at the end of this week. What I would recommend to, to each of you is that you go back to the notes that I wrote on your papers and the what I liked and what I didn't like and all the comments and all the corrections that I made and you integrate them into what you're handing in to me. In other words, don't make the same mistake twice because I will catch it and I will um, call you on it. It will be part of your grade. So um, take that for what it's worth. At any rate, um, if you guys need anything through the remainder of this class, you guys do know how to get a hold of me. Um, I'm absolutely positively available to you. You have all my communication, all, all the ways to uh, get a hold of me. Don't hesitate. So uh, best of luck to you guys, and uh, um, maybe one day we'll see each other. All right, take it easy.